This week on the Telltales podcast, learn which of us refuses to look at his own belly button. Telltales is a group of poopy prudes who got together a long time ago to gargle seaweed and yodel, and also we write fiction stories. Chris is not the type of guy you'd introduce to your barista. David is only tangentially related to the topic at hand, so we won't even talk about him. Josh is nonplussed by this non-sequitur nonsense. Today's tales are written by Josh Carroll and David Prysock, and are read by the authors. Yes, this week you're getting two stories, you lucky listener, you. There's a common theme here, which I'm sure you'll pick up on. The first story is called The Idea, and it's by David Prysock. The second story is called The Beast, and it's by Josh Carroll, and is the first of our first-line challenge stories. More on that later. For now, just sit back, relax, try not to get lost in your own belly button. An idea is a terrible thing to have trapped in one's head. Eric's most pressing concern was getting the thing in writing. There was a great story concept bouncing around in his mind for the better part of the last decade. The more he molded over, the better it became. It was going to be a masterpiece. It was going to be the culmination of his career as a high school English teacher. This idea was even going to validate his early retirement. It had to because he wasn't going to be able to live off his pension for very long. Yet, every attempt to translate the idea into words on the page resulted in a mess of incoherent scribblings. He had spent the past two months going over the few notes he had recorded over the years. All attempts to combine his ideas into a usable outline had failed. Eric slammed his laptop shut. He wasn't making any progress just staring at a blinking cursor. He decided to get out of the house to find some inspiration. He took a drive over to the local antique mall and listened to storytelling podcasts on the way. His own story kept creeping back into his mind, to the point that the sound became an unwanted distraction. He turned off the podcast and continued to stir up the swirl of thoughts in his head. Maybe he was finally getting somewhere and he'd be able to put something more concrete down when he returned home. He arrived at the antique mall and began browsing. There were no rows or sections in the store, just random collections of furniture and other items casually strewn about the place. Despite the lack of organization, he knew his way around the store well due to his frequent visits. He was on a first-name basis with the owner who happened to be stationed at the register today. Eric loved coming to visit this library of old junk. The smell told a rich story of where these objects had been. Being among old things made Eric feel wise and distinguished. He would often stumble across a curious object, catch a flash of an idea, then hurry home and build an entire fictional scene around its history. He owed most of his inspiration to the random treasures he found in this place. At the back corner of the store sat a desk, which Eric hadn't seen before. It was an old roll top which appeared to be used, but in good shape. He opened the top to reveal a worn blotter and various compartments for storing writing utensils and other supplies. Hanging above the desktop was a small cabinet with a brass knob. Eric opened the cabinet door to reveal a small tobacco pipe. Being a pipe smoker himself, he immediately recognized the quality of the workmanship. He could not, however, make any sense of the script within the insignia on the underside of the bowl. The writing was slightly worn, and what was legible contained letters from a language he didn't recognize. There was no price tag or label of any kind on the pipe. Eric carried it up to the front and presented it to the owner. How are you today, Eric? I'm doing all right, Bill. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. What can I do for you today? Well, I was checking out that new roll top you have in the back, and I happened to find this pipe in one of the cabinets. I'm interested, but I couldn't find a price tag. Let me see here, said Bill, taking the pipe to inspect it further. Seems to me this was left in there when it was dropped off yesterday. 
We must have missed it when we cleaned up and prepped the desk. Now, I don't know much about pipes, but I won't be bothered if you just go on and take it. We'll call it Finders Keepers. You sure, Bill? Yeah, maybe just mention a kindly and handsome shopkeeper when you become a famous author, said Bill with a warm smile. Eric had mentioned to the old guy that he was writing a novel, but hadn't shared any details because they wouldn't be fully appreciated. Eric wasn't comfortable with shoehorning in a character and tried to hide his feelings on the matter. He smiled broadly and said, absolutely, thank you. You're welcome. Have a nice day. Eric left the shop and headed back home. His experience in the store inspired another aspect to his story, which he was excited to incorporate. Eric hoped that this surprise acquisition would be the final jolt that his creativity so desperately needed. Once he arrived home, Eric cleaned and inspected the pipe. He found that it was in good shape and he'd be able to use it immediately. Sitting at his desk, lip pipe between his teeth and fingers on the keyboard, Eric typed out a quick description of his encounter at the antique shop. The detailed anecdote gave his story some additional flavor, but it didn't help the overall concept as much as he'd hoped. The essence of the story seemed so close, yet he couldn't quite reach it. It burned his mind like the sun. He could see its brilliance, but could not discern its exact shape. Every time he pushed thoughts through his hands into the laptop, the words that displayed on the screen failed to match the greatness of what was in his mind. He kept trying over and over to reword a summary of the story or start a rough outline, but it continued to elude him. After a solid hour of typing and editing, he let out a heavy sigh and sat back in his desk chair, having made little progress. The tobacco in the bowl had now been smoked through and he rotated his grip on the pipe. His thumb rubbed the pipe's insignia as he stared at the computer screen. As he repeatedly stroked the foreign script, a plume of smoke emanated from his pipe and the bowl became so painfully hot that he dropped it on the desk. A thick cloud of smoke continued to gush from the pipe, but instead of dispersing throughout the room, it coalesced into a figure which sat in the chair across from him. Its eyes glowed orange like the embers which had been contained in his pipe only moments ago. The mysterious intruder smiled wide with crooked yellow teeth. Eric froze with fear. Hello, Eric, said a gravelly voice in a smarmy tone. At the sound of its voice, Eric jerked to his feet and took two steps backward, nearly tripping over his rolling desk chair in the process. What the hell are you? I'm here to help you with your book. You seem to be having trouble putting your brilliant idea onto the page. Yeah, but what's it to you? Where did you come from? I came from the pipe. I have a talent for assisting writers, many of whom smoke. This is one of many ways I get around. Eric eyed him and assessed the situation. The unexpected visitor didn't appear threatening. Eric picked up his chair and sat back down. What do you want from me? The same thing every mystical artifact-bound creature wants. To travel around and intervene in the lives of humans for my own gratification. But why do you want to help me? That question requires a complicated answer which is not relevant to the matter at hand. Suffice to say that I am the result of someone else's writing, but that is a story for another day and I would much rather focus on your story. Why exactly? Is my idea special? Am I destined for greatness with this story? I don't know, and I don't really care. You seem to think I can read minds of the future when I actually have no clue what your story is about. I don't judge the quality of written works, I just offer a service. You can take the deal offered to you, or I will leave you here with your thoughts to wallow in strife and obscurity. Eric sat back in his chair and looked at the empty computer screen. Turning to his visitor and squinting, he asked, What's the deal? I'll put your idea into words exactly as it exists in your mind, then publish it and ensure that people see it. You'll be free from the frustration of having an idea you can't communicate. If your story is as great as you think, perhaps you'll enjoy unimaginable wealth and success as long as you live. How will you be able to send it to publishing without all the steps in between? I've never shared the story with anyone, yet it will suddenly end up on shelves? That's exactly where my skills come into play. Besides, the usual process is for the typical writer with average ideas. I'm offering you a chance to bypass all of that, if you think your idea is worthy. Eric considered this for a moment and decided that his story was certainly worth an exception to the norm. He didn't trust anyone else with his work. They would mess up what had the potential to be the perfect creation. So what's in it for you, Eric asked. I'm just a humble, traveling smoke creature with magical abilities. I consider myself a patron of the arts, and I find a great deal of satisfaction in helping creative types such as yourself. 
Eric considered the offer. He was starting to wonder if this was all in his imagination, but then his story idea began nagging his thought process. The enormity of the concept pressed against the inside of his skull. He looked again at the pitiful collection of unconnected and half-formed thoughts on his computer screen. His life would be hell if he couldn't release this story into the world. Translating the idea onto a page was worth the risk of taking an offer from a stranger. Okay, Eric said. We have a deal. The creature's dark face broke into a wide grin. I know you'd take the deal. They all do. The smoke which comprised its form dissolved into the air and reformed into thick ropes around his wrist and extended out over his hands, covering them like gloves. A slender tendril of smoke rose from the floor and bent towards him. It blasted into his face and Eric could feel intense heat and see only black. His vision gradually cleared and for a moment nothing happened, but then his smoke-covered fingers began to type. He tried to read what he was typing, but the rate of typing quickly accelerated and the screen displayed a flurry of text faster than he could read, creating a cascading waterfall of letters flowing through page after page. His head throbbed from the strain, but it did not hurt. His eyes glazed over and he became like a zombie while his hands continued to furiously type out the novel. The typing continued for what seemed like days until his eyes eventually began to droop from exhaustion. Finally, he reached the last page and saw himself type, The End. Eric roused himself and tried to scroll up to the beginning to read what he had written, but before he could gain control of his hands, the laptop screen went black. The smoke released his hands and the mysterious visitor reformed in the chair across from him. There you are, Mr. Writer. Your idea is now translated to the page. It will be released into the world, but first comes the tedious process of publishing. I can easily handle this, however, it will take some time. Thank you for sharing your idea, and I hope you reap all the benefits of the creative process. Our transaction is now complete. The smoke figure dissipated within the room, then rushed back into the pipe in a dense stream. Confused at his last words, Eric picked up the pipe and examined the inside of the bowl. There was nothing but a few charred ribbons of tobacco. Hey, what does that mean? What did you do with my story? Yelled at the pipe. As he was staring down into the bowl, a puff of thick smoke shot into his face and caused Eric to cough uncontrollably. When he was finally able to breathe normally, a wave of drowsiness overcame him, and his head hit the desk and he fell fast asleep. Eric awoke in a small puddle of drool with a big headache. He sat up, rubbed his eyes, and tried to get his bearings. His neck and back were sore and he really needed to pee. He rushed to the bathroom and when he was done, he caught a glimpse of himself in the mirror. There were bags under his eyes and his beard was more than a few days old. A deep rumbling in his stomach led him to the kitchen, but he was dismayed to find that most of the food in his fridge had gone bad. How long was he asleep? He began trying to recall where the time had gone and how he had managed to sleep on his desk that whole time. He grabbed some stale crackers from his pantry to quell his hunger, then returned to his desk. The laptop was in sleep mode and the pipe was still sitting where he dropped it before passing out. He woke up his computer and searched for the manuscript which had supposedly been sent out for publishing. Once he found it, Eric began reading his story. It was everything he thought it would be. The subtle foreshadowing, the complex character development, the engaging and slightly unusual plot structure, the commentary on societal norms and the human condition, the sparkling dialogue, the concise and vivid descriptions. Everything was exactly as he had imagined it. He spent the next two days wrapped in his own novel, only stopping for bathroom breaks or to scrounge for whatever non-perishable food was available. When he finished reading, a deep sense of fulfillment and satisfaction permeated his mind and body. It was perfect. It was exactly as it should be. Eric checked his email and social media feeds and found a flurry of information about his new book. Had it already made its store so quickly? He checked Amazon and saw that full reviews had already been posted. To Eric's horror, he came to learn that his grand idea was a complete dud. It was being panned by critics and general readers alike. The new author's surprise release is surprisingly awful. A disjointed mess. This probably made sense to somebody who doesn't get enough sleep. There's no coherent character building or plot. There might be an attempt at conveying deeper meaning, but it is a failed attempt. The only clearly communicated idea of this work is the extent of the author's pretentiousness. Eric sank back in his chair and stared at his desk in confusion. None of this made any sense. The idea in his head was clear and thorough and brilliant. Every word was exactly as he imagined it in his mind, and all of his clever ideas had been excellently communicated. There could not be a more perfect translation of his original concept, yet it was obvious that nobody liked the story. 
If he had known how it would be received, he might have gone about this whole writing thing much differently. Upon reflection, the smoke creature's deal seemed easy, and Eric now realized that bypassing the editing and feedback process was a bad choice. If he was really honest with himself, it would have been better to compromise the purity of his initial concept in exchange for minor improvements. Thinking back to the offer he accepted, he now saw that his own personal embarrassment and the tainting of his writing career was not worth the relief he felt from having the idea finally released from his mind. He grabbed the pipe, stomped to his kitchen trash can, and threw it in as hard as he could. He began to walk back to his office, but decided he wasn't content to just throw the pipe away. He pulled the trash bag out and took it to the bin at the curb to get it as far away from him as possible. Eric stomped back inside and sat down in front of his computer. After taking a few moments to ponder his situation, he slowly closed his laptop and headed to bed. His one big idea was on display for the world, and nobody was impressed. Spending his twilight years as a respected author now seemed impossible after a pitiful debut. There was no way he could recover from the humiliation of such a colossal failure. He tried to focus on the night he wrote the manuscript to make sense of what happened, but all he could picture was the evil grinning face made of smoke. Defeated and confused, Eric shambled to his room and laid down to go to sleep. He had learned two important lessons that day. Get an outside opinion on your work before releasing to the public, and never make a publishing deal with a pipe monster. Epilogue Timmy had a long day on the truck. This route seemed like it would never end and all he wanted to do was go home and write more. The sun shot bright orange rays through the trees on the last street he'd have to collect trash from that day. He dumped a bin into the back of the truck, but one of the bags bounced out onto the street, spilling some trash from a small tear in the side. He gathered up as much as he could, but didn't concern himself too much with getting everything. He was about to hop on the back bumper when he spied a small pipe on the ground. Keeping others' trash was frowned upon, but this little item looked special. Perhaps he could take up pipe smoking. Isn't that a thing writers did? Timmy grabbed the pipe from the ground and shoved it into his pocket. For the rest of his shift, he thought about the impact his new hobby would have on his endeavor to write a groundbreaking story. The beast loomed over me in the dark alley, breathing heavily. Its breath reeked of garlic and onions. Teeth shifted and grew into pinnacles and spires and minarets. The roar of a crowd hung in its raspy hiss, gleeful laughter and shouts of, Make way! Where the dark cavern of its throat had been, there now hung a bright sun rippling the air and burning the white sand. Somewhere, a boy ran through crowded streets. Somewhere else, a horse whinnied. It felt familiar, more like remembering than creating. It was comforting, hypnotic. My bare skin stung with the heat and the sand on the wind, so I welcomed the coarse crimson tunic that wrapped itself around me and squeezed me until I almost could not breathe. Something sharp gleamed before me, a pair of scimitars dangling like fangs from the sky, but they did not alarm me. All my thoughts were caught in the undertow of this place, my voice lost in the rhythms of ancient poets, my imagination eclipsed by the face of a great bird-faced god. Then you whispered, This is not your world, you idiot. And your words broke through the facade, flying against the wind of another universe. I remembered. Yes, I'd been here before. In another writer's words. No, this is not my world, I repeated. With a great effort, I took up my weapon and slashed at the air, wild and undisciplined. Black marks spattered the expanse like so much nonsense. The beast hissed and reeled, releasing me from its coils in the retreat. The great desert city fell away into darkness, and I found myself once again in the stark black alley, lying on a pile of crumpled paper. My mind ached. I gasped for air. Focus! you shouted down from your high tower. Focus and make the battle your own! I took up my weapon and stumbled toward the beast. 
The thing set its jaw and glared at me. I lifted my hand. Then something vibrated beside me, a rattling, buzzing thing. I heard you groan and then mutter something about distractions and how much better things used to be. Kill it, you shouted at last. But I did not listen to you. Instead, I turned and looked at the thing. It glowed, and it called to me in a silent voice. I have something urgent to tell you. Without objection, without even thinking, I dropped my weapon and took it. The shaking ceased, and the thing grew. A moment later, I was surrounded by a midway of light and sound. The voices of acquaintances called for my attention like carnival barkers. Discordant music assaulted my ears through unseen speakers, overpowered at intervals by the spiels of charlatans and swindlers. Amusement after attraction blocked my way, and then I found myself trapped, lured by the mirage of a steaming plate of food. Though I could neither taste it nor touch it nor even smell it, my mouth watered, and my belly lurched with hunger. But again your voice came to me. It can wait, moron, you said. If you want to finish this thing, you have to kill it. With all my might, I wrenched the glowing thing free and flung it away. The beast screeched as its rattles clattered onto the littered pavement. I took up my weapon once again and turned to face the beast. Then I raised my hand to attack. But I stopped when I found my way blocked by a wall of paper-white bricks that had not existed before. I turned to go around it and saw that it stretched on forever in either direction. I thought to climb it, but it was high, and there were no finger holds. There's no getting around this one, rookie. You've got to fight through it, you said. That's a fine thing for you to say, I replied. You sit and relax in your high tower. What do you know of my obstacles? How do you think this grand tower was built, you replied. The bricks of a million walls sit beneath me, cemented together by the blood of a million beasts. From up here, I can see both sides of your wall, and I can tell you they're all the same. Believe me, boy, your battle is nothing new, and neither are the strategies by which you win. I clenched my fists and gritted my teeth. The truth, as always, stung. You have to go through it, rookie, you repeated. It's the only way. So I put my hand to the wall and pushed. It held. I beat my head against it, but it did not budge. I even wept, but my tears did not dissolve it. At last, I took up my weapon and struck the wall. The blow was clumsy and weak, but the smallest bit of dust fell to the ground. I struck again. This blow was better aimed, and it left a gash in the brick. Encouraged, I hefted my weapon and brought it down with all my might. At this, the wall shuddered. A raspy scream emanated from the very mortar. My heart rose within me, and I saw the thing for what it was. You haven't beaten me yet, I screamed and advanced upon my enemy as a man who knows his battle. The wall crumbled before me. Blackened bricks fell to either side as the beast shrunk from blow after blow. It flashed between its various defenses. It tried to distract and to lure and to cripple me at every opportunity. One moment I was reminded of an impending business matter, but you said that worry never helped anyone accomplish anything, so I pressed on. The next moment I saw a vision of a thousand faces mocking me from the end of my path. I was almost overwhelmed with the fear of it but you said that the road to success is paved with a thousand rejections. So I walked on, bringing down my weapon upon the beast's flesh as I went, slash after slash, and I did not stop. Suddenly, I saw it. 
I had arrived at the end of my road. My toes were mere inches from the bottomless chasm ahead. All of my being ached, but the pain was drowned out by the exhilaration of imminent victory. In my left hand, I held the beast, shriveled and sorry as it was, by its neck. In my right hand, I held my weapon high, its point pressed between the shrunken thing's hopeless eyes. The end, I whispered. And then, with more flourish than was necessary, I slew my foe and proclaimed the battle's end. The beast, I shouted to anyone who would listen, is dead at last. Its paper skeleton has been blackened beginning to end by the point of my own weapon. A fitting epitaph for a hard-fought foe. You laughed and said, Well done, rookie. The words alighted on my shoulder as a dove while I gazed in triumph over the labyrinth of blackened brick and crumpled paper that lay in my wake. Now, you said in a tone that sounded more amused than proud, you get to begin the real work. That's quite a mess you have to clean up. Best get started. So Josh's story, uh, The Beast, is the first in three of our first line challenge stories. So what happened was we decided we were going to give ourselves writing prompts. Uh, We were going to sort of pull names from a hat and give each other the first line of a story. And our job was to write a story based on that first line. And this first line was given by Chris to Josh. And you'll hear the other first line stories later in the season. Yeah. And before Chris says anything snarky about my first line story, I just want to say, listener, what would you do with a line about garlic breath? I mean, come on, you got to do, you got to go somewhere. I think it was obvious. I was thinking you'd just go to an Italian restaurant, (laughs) a beast at an Italian restaurant. Have you been to those Italian? Have you met Italians? I have met a few Italians. I've also met some pretty snarky Frenchmen. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Who could you be talking about, Josh? (laughs) Anyway, we put these two stories together because they both have the common theme of the craft of writing and reflecting on the craft of writing, which I feel is appropriate for... We put these two together so that we could get your navel-gazing out of the way in one episode. Yeah, Chris refused. Uh, He Absolutely. Yeah, he was not going to be part of this. There's no way... We almost got voted off the island for this, Chris. It's a good thing Chris only gets one vote. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't feel the need to write about myself because that's the kind of the mark of somebody who is insecure to feel the need to talk about themselves all the time, which is basically what you did. What, what's that quote about the life examined? I should probably know it better. Something about... Especially if you're going to quote it on a podcast. No, I think that the way to get Chris to talk about himself... Uh, is to bring up anything related to France or French food or French cooking or to say something about how Italian cooking is really better. Mm. These are good ways to get to get. That's Chris a good going. way to get yourself edited out of the episode. <laughs> An unexamined life is not worth living. An unexamined belly button is probably dirty. <laughs> Join us next week for Civil War era cosplay in space. This has been a production of The Telltales. Copyright for today's stories belong to Josh Carroll and David Prysock, so don't steal either of them or they'll write something really nasty about you on the internet. Probably. They can pull themselves away from their navel-gazing meta-writing for long enough to do it, at least. Theme music is by the Flat Creek Kings. Catering this week is provided by Show Me Yours Jab Burritos. Our burritos are bigger and we're willing to prove it. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share on social media and leave us a review on iTunes. You can find us at TelltalesWriting.com, on Facebook by searching Telltales Writing, on Twitter at, at @TelltalesWrite, or on Instagram at TelltalesWriting. If you did not enjoy this podcast, write about it. Then write about writing about it. Then write about writing about writing about it. And then come write us. today's story is writing is harder than anything ever and writers are allowed to whine about writing wah, wah, wah.